So tell me, Joel. Yeah. Have you ever been farming? Farming? Mm -hmm. Planting crops or dealing with animals? Uh, no. Hmm. So I was going to do a funny bit, but then I realized I can't think of anything funny at the moment. I was like, Farmville, maybe, but that's not funny. That's just sad. Um, so you haven't even oh, farmed, like, digitally? No, 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 no. I, I have, but I wasn't going to admit that I had. Oh, gotcha. And that was the epidemic that I was in. I have visited uh, several farms, mm -hmm. and that was fun. And there was one time we were visiting a uh, a dairy farm. We got to see the whole process of how they make milk. Um, and while we were there, one of the uh, cows actually gave birth to a little calf, and it was very it, it was very sweet. And we got to see a newborn calf. And it was adorable. And then they took the calf, they just chucked it in a wheelbarrow, and then they just like rattled it around to where it was gonna be, and then they just dumped it like it was a, pi a pile of leaves. And uh, while we were all just looking at it, uh, looking at the, the farmer in just shock and horror, he just turned to us and just went, ain't no cuddling here, and then just left. Wow, that's pretty sad. Yeah. Um, is this reconceived with Ben and Leonard? This is reconceived with Ben and Joel. Aha. And I'm Ben. I, and I'm Joel. I, I, I feel like it's. It seems like an ongoing bit that I'm doing that I can't get the 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 name right and the introduction right. Right. I'm just real world struggling, folks. This is genuine. Well, we are here with you. Yes, we support you, and as are you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, anyways, that's the closest I ever got to um to farming. All right. And since you haven't really been farming, most people haven't really done any serious farming. No. And so there's often this notion that somehow the farmers that we have in the world and, or the total cropland isn't going to be enough to feed people in like 100 years or 200 years. That we're just uh, going to have yeah. so many people that we're not going to have enough food. I'm sure you've heard right. about this before. I Yes, uh, I've seen several advertisements for Microsoft. They're just like, hey, we're not going to have enough food by 2060. So we made robots to make more food, I guess. Buy our computers. Yeah, that totally follows. That's how I would make more food is by <laughs> buying Microsoft computers. I, I, I love those kinds of commercials, but like, I really don't get them because – they just keep on popping up where they're just like, oh, yeah, you can use our – people are using our products to, to, to help make sure that baby walruses don't drown. Anyways, buy our phones. And it, it, it's not just me, right? Like these are happening all the time. Yeah, what they're trying to do is they're trying to be different from all the other commercials, and that's tough. Mm. And one of the ways they think they'll be different is by advertising something that they totally don't do at all or like <laughs> – by showing their corporation has a heart. Exactly. And then you feel this emotional connection to buy more gas or get more <laughs> widgets. I don't even know what it is. I don't I don't. Anyways. Care. Yeah. So a lot of people have this idea. Um, most notably in popular culture would be Thanos. He, yeah. He was very concerned with overpopulation. 
but more and more people because of thanos have or thanos <laughs> or however you however you pronounce his name more and more people have had this idea in their heads that mm. um there are just too many people or we're, there are going mm. to be too many people very soon and that's not a new argument even slightly it goes all the way back to well it probably goes back even further but one of the earliest proponents of this idea of overpopulation was a man named Thomas Malthus. Sounds smart. A smart sounding name, not such a smart guy. In one of the first <laughs> editions of his uh, major works, he wrote things essentially saying that population is growing too fast and population grows faster than food does. Ergo, we're going to starve to death. So what we need to do is have population control. We need to either kill people who we don't like or, you know, he oh. said we should kill people who aren't as smart as we are, or we should just prevent them from having children. You know, the usual. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, it's not great. Yeah, and that's usually where people go, is they'll say, hey, population control is the only way to solve this that, overpopulation problem. I mean, that seems counterintuitive. Like, oh, no, there's going to be too many people, and so many people are going to die. So let's just go ahead and kill them now. I mean, like, like if overpopulation is a true concern, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the entire world would go kaput. It would mean that a, a large portion of humanity wouldn't be able to get the resources that they need and that the um, high and powerful would be the only ones left to rebuild society. But, like... If you're trying to propose the idea of let's just kill everybody now, the people that are going to be able to save themselves are most likely the high and powerful. So that doesn't seem like a great solution when you're just going to be causing the thing that you're worried about just quicker. Exactly. And that's, again, the same problem with Thanos. If you're really so concerned about people dying, why don't you, I don't know, wait for them to die because who knows maybe you're wrong and if you are then nobody will die as opposed to half of the universe dying yeah and all of the avengers that haven't uh renewed their contracts oh yeah goodness we don't want to get into that spoilers though which means that people generally shift their argumentation away from saying we need to kill people that are alive now to saying we need to not have as many children and that's where you get things like china's one child policy And so the idea behind this episode is to show how ridiculous that notion is. The history of farming, it starts at the beginning of time. But for our purposes, we're going to start in the 1700s. Okay. France and England in the 1700s received fewer calories per citizen than present-day sub-Saharan Africa. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. So just, you know... 300 some odd years ago yeah two of the most wealthy countries just didn't have enough food Mm. now does obviously calories are a good indicator of whether or not the 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 portion of food is sustainable but at the same time does that necessarily mean that the uh the the quality of the substance was the same like for instance like if they were being able to get all of the proteins and nutrients that they need in a smaller amount of calories that seems 
less of an issue, right? Right. So I, I think that's the difference between malnourishment and undernourishment. Undernourishment mm. just means you don't have enough calories. Malnourishment you have the, means that you have the wrong kind of calories. And usually they go hand in hand. But in the 1700s, it was very, very rare for these individuals, for citizens of these countries to have meat. It was at most once or twice a week. It was a, a luxury. They basically never had it. Most of the food in that time consisted of gruel, which was wheat okay. mixed in with water. Very unhealthy stuff. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound great. Yeah. And so you'd think that with that problem, and some economists have pointed out that there was a thing called a nutrition trap where they needed to work harder to make more food so they could eat, but they didn't have the energy to work harder because they were so underfed. Right. And so that presents a pretty bleak problem. How do you escape that? Well, right about that time is the Industrial Revolution, late 1700s, early 1800s. And so many innovations sprung up in the realm of farming mm. so that you could do so much more with a lot less work. You had better tools, you had better farming practices, and all of a sudden, people could eat more food. Mm. And so the idea behind Thomas Malthus and others of his ilk is that this can't be continued. We can't continue to keep making food better. We just can't keep improving in our efficiency. That's unsustainable. Eventually, we're going to stop these innovations and we're going to run out of food because we just have to there's so much space on the earth and if humans keep growing in population size they're just going to take up all the space and there's going to be no room left to have any food mm. well okay so here's my logic right because while that for the most part may be true and it it, it certainly would be a lot of hassle an issue for this process to function but if we're talking about humanity's last effort of survival when it comes to this we as humans can exist and live in places that food cannot be grown and so like if it came down to like all right we're running out of space where we can legitimately grow food for the population it seems as though there would be an instinctive push for civilization to move to those more drastic areas that, while they may be harsher, could possibly lead to more room for growth, right? I mean, like, that that's just my instinctive logic. I'm not basing this off of any studies or any, any professional opinions. That's just first initial thought, an argument against right. that. Right, and your instinctive logic is sort of an explanation of an underlying human phenomenon. So you were saying humans are really ingenuitive, and this is one way they could solve the problem. And that is certainly a valid explanation. But if you go just the step below that, you know, if you just stick at humans are very ingenuitive, imagine trying to explain today how the history, how farming would improve so drastically to someone in the 1700s, that a single person... And, you know, some machines that didn't have to use any horses whatsoever could do the work of dozens of field hands. He would just, he wouldn't believe you. There, yeah. There's no way he could even comprehend that. 
That's true. And so to think that we've somehow reached the pinnacle of farming innovation is kind of ridiculous because history shows that innovation is only limited by human creativity, and that's something that you really can't measure. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. And I mean, like, we can also look at other fields of technology and how they are growing and seeing the fact that we have the ability to make the impossible something that is easily accessible for all. I mean, we we don't have to travel far to be able to do that. Imagine 20, 30 years ago telling someone that you would be able to have all of the knowledge of humanity practically at your fingertips at any point imaginable. That sounds absolutely insane. That sounds like witchcraft or something out of a fantasy or sci-fi mm -hmm. novel. But that's exactly what we can do with our smartphone, which practically everyone has. Even toddlers can use these things. And so, like that to me just sort of reinforces the idea that like we aren't done making solutions to problems that we have or or to make our lives better and with food especially that's something that can easily that can easily be integrated into that as well actually now that i'm thinking about it maybe that microsoft added isn't full of crap because like going back to it that that's exactly what they were talking about they're just like hey like we're going to need food, so we're using technology to make food better. Um, now, buy our computers. Yeah, but, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that part still loses its logic. But, you know, they're, they're, they are creating the technology to be able to make food more efficiently and more consistently, despite the anomalies that happen season to season. Right. I, I think the core of it is really inconsistent. You'll find these people and they'll believe that humans can figure out how to communicate with each other from across the globe. And they can figure out how to fly to space and colonize Mars. But feeding ourselves? Nope, that we can't do that. That's that's impossible. There's no way. <laughs> that is true. One of the one of the resolutions to the whole like lack of food issue is that oh we'll just colonize Mars and start potato farms up there, or we could just make better better farms down here. <laughs> yeah, I mean if we can literally travel to an entirely different planet, which when you look at it in context is insanity, we could probably make some better potatoes. Probably. Like, even if this is a problem, and even if technology and farming doesn't reach the potential that it needs to be, that that doesn't mean that all of humanity is going to go to waste. We're still going to have that remnant there that is going to be able to um, pr proceed. And also, now that I'm thinking about it, um, going back to uh, last time with the world, one of the things that Steven Pinker was talking about was the fact that across the world we have seen exponential growth in um, in food supplies. Mm -hmm. Famine is significantly less common and, and less feasible to even happen uh, in many, if not all, of the countries in the world. Yep. So, like... And it's not going downhill. It's not something that we're seeing a decline in. It's continuing to improve. 
And so it's something that, well, yeah, we need to make sure that we can continue because that progress isn't made by itself. While we need to make sure that we're continuing to make sure that we all have food, that's not something that is of dire worry. Exactly. And one way you can look at this numerically, so you, you take these claims and we're saying that humans are ingenuitive and they'll figure out problems or they'll figure out solutions to problems. And yeah. we don't just say that. That's not just something that we say and then it just goes away into the void. That's something we can verify. And you do that by looking at the cereal yield per hectare. Let me break that down. So that's, that's cereal yield is looking at certain things like basically grains, wheat, rice, things that you can eat a lot of and that can be grown and eaten. Okay. So and per, a hectare is an area of land equivalent to 10,000 square meters. So essentially you're looking at how much food can you get out of any given area of farmland. So we have the same amount of land. Can we get more food from that? And if you look at the World Bank data, it's a graph that slowly climbs upward. We are able hmm. to produce more and more kilograms per hectare of these cereal crops per year. So we get better at farming. And this is just since 1961. It's gone even further up if you take the graph and go to years before that. The maximum possible, the maximum feasible rather, because the maximum possible is a completely different issue. The highest right. current country is St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And they are able to produce 24.7 thousand kilograms per hectare. So 24.7 thousand, that's a number. Uh, for reference, the United States uh, produces about 8.1 thousand kilograms per hectare. All right, so that's a lot of kilograms per hectare, rather. I mean, what is Hector, what is Hector going to do with all that grain? He's just, he's just one boy. That's a very good question. Probably sell it to people who need it. Yeah, good on you, Hector. What a great, what a great guy. He wants to have money. Good for Hector. So that's about 27 Americans per hectare. If you take in their average calorie consumption. I just really like the idea of measuring grain by like some random guy from like, I don't know, Switzerland. He's just like, hey, I'm Hector. I'm a unit of measurement. We have 24 American grains per me. 27, actually. 27, excuse me. So, and that's if you take the average American calorie consumption, which is uh, probably higher than it needs to be. But even given that, yeah. that you can feed 27 Americans with that amount of food, and if you take the total agricultural land in the world, and mm. you grow grains at that rate, and okay. you eat food at that rate, you can feed 131 billion people. So the question then becomes, how soon do you think we'll reach 131 billion people? And do you think that farming will not have further made improvements by that point? Like those two assumptions are or that we'll reach that number quickly and that farming won't improve when we get there. Those are patently ridiculous assumptions. Absolutely right. absurd. Yeah. So there, there's no scientific basis for either of those assumptions. Because people will they'll try to assume that they know what population growth will look like. It's really funny. When you look at the actual charts and you look at people's predictions, there is no way to tell. It doesn't go, grow linearly. You can't say, whoa, you know, this number of people were born this year. That means X number of people will be born next year. 
because that's fundamentally a human calculation. You can't know beforehand. Right. And you also can't know how many people exist on the world at one time. We have estimates, but that doesn't mean that we know exactly who is being born and where, you know? Exactly. There's probably thousands of people that are born every day in, say, third world countries or very uh, very remote areas that we never even get to know about. Indeed. So, so th- thank you, farmers, for yes. providing such great innovations and giving us food. Thank you, Microsoft, for making terrible ads, but very informative ads. Indeed. Um, and uh, our sponsor today is Microsoft. Microsoft, get yourself an Xbox so you can help farmers plant blueberries. Hashtag not sponsored. Not sponsored. Although, can you imagine if our, like, our first sponsor was just straight up Microsoft? That would be pretty cool. That'd be so cool. If anyone at Microsoft is listening, I would be willing to, uh, to, to, to do that. So there we go. But going back to what's actually important to this episode, which is the idea that we as humans are very creative beings and we have a tendency to want to stay alive in a general sense. And so we will see those issues that appear we, we recognize those when they exist and when they could exist, and we try to find solutions and then create those solutions to not only help us survive, but to make our existence better. That's something that's very consistent that we see everywhere, like we talked about last week, or not last week, but two weeks ago. Um, and so... When you apply that to farming and to to overpopulation, those are things that, while need to be discussed in, in hypothetical, are not necessarily end-of-the-world possibilities. Because the fact is, we're still going to see that progress be made, as we have for the past several hundred years, and we're going to be able to continue to see that in the future as robotics get better and as we are progressing faster than we ever have before this has been farming reconceived that's the music